Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sometimes when I read the story that Yovana just read to us, I actually feel sorry for Mary. I can't imagine what it would be like to be 12 or 13, as some biblical scholars think she may have been that young, to get out of the blue a visitor. I'm not sure how Gabriel showed up at her house, but I suspect it was a bit startling. And then to find out, out of all things, that you are pregnant. And then, of all things, you find out you're pregnant with the Son of God. Now, on the Holmes-Ray stress scale, um, some of you may know what that is. It's a scale which scores different life events according to the stress that they can cause in people's lives. For example, um, buying a house is 31. The higher the points, the more stress. Divorce, 73. Death of a spouse, 100. Well, Mary, at age 12 or 13, would have been experiencing marriage, 50 points, pregnancy, 40 points. Well, I'm going to give her Christmas, 12 points. So she had a lot of stress going on in her young life. And I guess that not only would she be dealing with these normal stress points, I wonder what the scale would say when you were told that you were going to be having this as a virgin out of wedlock, and by the way, you have to explain this to your fiancé, and then eventually everyone else. I think her stress scale would be off the charts. But the thing that continues to surprise me every time I read this passage is that Mary doesn't seem overly stressed. She doesn't really even seem nervous or frightened. I chalk it up to her naivete or perhaps her immaturity. But I am not the only one, I realized, who notices Mary's response. Turn your Bibles again to Luke 1. Because Mary's response and encounter with the angel is quite different than anybody else. Even Zechariah, who just a few verses earlier had an encounter with Mary, I mean, had an encounter with Gabriel, had a very different experience. Now, Gabriel's encounter with Mary begins in verse 28 of chapter 1 of Luke. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now those of you who know your Bible know that most often the first words that an angel says to somebody is, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And that's what he said to Zechariah, verses earlier in verse 13, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. But Gabriel doesn't enter into his conversation with Mary with those words until later. But it's later, and I love this. I love Mary's reaction. Have you ever thought about verse 29? Verse 29 says, But she, Mary, was much perplexed by his words. Not so much by his presence there. I would guess that would be perplexing. But she was perplexed by his words and pondered, What sort of greeting is this? I get the sense That Mary was sitting there saying, "Uh uh-oh, what's coming now? 
You know, sort of the same idea that when you go up to somebody who you need to ask, and kids, you know this, I did a lot to my parents, when you need a big, big favor, and you tell your parents how wonderfully they cooked tonight's meal, how beautiful they look in the sweater that they're wearing, how clean the house is, and by the way, can I go, da-da-da-da. I have to wonder whether that's what Mary was thinking, because she wasn't surprised in the sense of fear. But the words say she was perplexed at his words and pondered, what kind of greeting is that? And then, and then is when Gabriel said, do not be afraid, Mary. I just find that very fascinating and especially compared to the words of Zechariah just earlier. And then, like Zechariah, Mary also goes on later on and questions Gabriel and said, um, hello, I'm a virgin. How can this be? And unlike Zechariah, who the poor guy who questioned something, which I think was very appropriate, that his old barren wife was to conceive a son, became mute for nine, month, nine months, Mary's questions seem to be honored and appreciated and gladly accepted. Biblical scholars say that's because Zechariah's question was one of disbelief and untruth. You're not telling me the real thing. And Mary's question was just a sense of her naivete, needing clarification or explanation. Well, I think Zechariah got a pretty raw deal. But I am always amazed, nonetheless, through it all, that at the end, after this whole explanation, and the only question that Mary asks is, how can this be? That she closes in verse 38. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And that's it. Come on, Mary. You've just been told that you're going to be pregnant, out of wedlock, with the Son of God. And there she is, resigning herself to obedience with no objection. Some might say this is maturity beyond her years. Some might say naivete. Some may say this is deep faith, deep trust. Or some, I sense, might even say she was in shock. She didn't know how to respond to this news. And then Gabriel left her, alone, I presume, to deal with it all wondering what on earth was about to happen to her. When I was teaching at Goshen College, it had been agreed upon, having only had my master's degree, that I would take some time eventually and take a leave of absence and go get my PhD. After a few years of working, my department chair said, we need to start working on a specific plan, an outline for you as to when you will take this leave of absence so we can begin planning for other courses to be taught at different times. And I was very much struggling with this because I had not found a PhD program that really suited my needs, one that I felt really got to what I wanted to study. But I looked and I looked and I knew the pressure was on. I knew in order to keep my job, this is what I needed to do. And one June, June of 2000, I was sitting in a meeting in Ad 29, for those of you who know the building, and I heard a voice smack dab in the middle of the meeting. And the voice said, Sue, I want you to go to seminary in the fall of 2002. It was that clear, that exact. It was so clear, in fact, that I looked behind me to see who was talking. And of course, there was no one. 
And then I looked around the table to make sure if anybody else heard that because I was sure they heard it because it was clear as day and nobody else heard it. And so then I quickly grabbed my pen and started writing, thinking I better write this down because I don't want to forget it. But then I thought, there's no way I will ever forget that. Sue, I want you to go to seminary in the fall of 2002. Now this was June 2000. I thought, I wonder what I'm waiting for. Why 2002? But I knew it was as clear as day. I knew it was exactly what I was going to do. And yet it was terrifying because it wasn't at all what Goshen College had planned for me. It wasn't at all what I had planned for me. And it wasn't at all what most anybody had planned for me. And yet it was very specific and very clear. I went to my spiritual director a few months later I had the nerve to bring it up. And I said to her, Joanne, I don't know what to do with this. This voice was about as clear as it comes. And yet, you know, we always hope and pray that God will speak to us. But when God is so clear, that means you have to follow it. And I'm not so sure that this is really what I want to do. And so Joanne said, let it rest. Let it rest within you. God is planting the seed within you. It's time to let them grow, to let them nourish, to let them flourish. You, Sue, need to fertilize them. You need to nourish them. But let them grow at their own pace within you until you're ready. And then she said, there may come a time that thorns or weeds will come up and overtake them. But the nourishment that you are giving them now will prepare you to deal with that. And so I went home and I lived with these words for a long time, not telling anybody for months and months. Now, Gabriel was smart. Gabriel throws in something that I think a lot of us don't think about the importance of in his talk with Mary. Gabriel just mentions on the side something about Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, who was also pregnant, this old barren woman. Now, at the time that Mary heard the words, I don't think she thought to question Gabriel or respond in disbelief like Zachariah did. She just heard them. But I believe that it was these words, this mention of Elizabeth to Mary, that gave Mary a leg to stand on after Gabriel left. When the shock and the disbelief, or even the faith, was gone from her, and she was left with no angel and nothing, she remembered Gabriel's words of his Elizabeth, And the angel didn't tell her. Gabriel never told her to go to Elizabeth. He just told her what was. But it says in verse 39 that Mary set out and went with haste to the Judean town in the hill country. I love it. The first thing she does with with great haste, is to go see Elizabeth. And I imagine on the whole way there and the whole trip, she's daydreaming, questioning, thinking, oh my goodness, what's happening to me? And how wonderful it must have been for her to be greeted at the door with a six-month pregnant Elizabeth. 
Yes, I wasn't dreaming all of this after all, probably thought Mary. It's for real. I love it. And and then, and then, Elizabeth greets her with the most beautiful words. And it says, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Mary didn't even have to say a word to Elizabeth. She already knew. And it was there that Mary stayed for three months. They talked about their bodies changing. They talked about the nurseries that they were going to need to prepare. They talked about the things that pregnant women talk about. Because Zachariah wasn't going to be talking a whole lot. (laughs) And they shared with each other as they experienced these miracles growing inside of them. August 2001, my department chair said, we need to talk and plan a specific outline for your PhD program. I said, okay. So we scheduled breakfast. And I knew that this was the time. I had been nourishing those seeds for 14 months now, not telling anybody except my spiritual director. But I knew I had to break it to Doug and to let him know that I was going to be leaving. And I wasn't going on for a PhD, but instead I was going to go to seminary. And so at breakfast, Doug sat down and we chit-chat a little bit. And then he said, so Sue, what are you going to do? What, what's your plan? What, what school do you want to go to? And when do you think you're going to be going? And I said, well, Doug, actually, I don't think I'm going to go get my PhD right now. I'm actually planning on resigning at the end of the school year and then going to seminary. And I said, let me explain. And Doug sat there quietly. And for the next 15 minutes, I explained with passion about all the thoughts and the feelings and the ideas that I had. And I didn't really mention this voice because when you start telling people you're hearing voices, they begin to be a little bit suspicious of your mental capacity. And so I began to just tell Doug my deep intention. And he sat there quietly, not saying a word the whole time. And I had to wonder what he was thinking And when I was finally done, I stopped and Doug said, can I say something now? I said, yes. And I sat there ready. And he said, as I was leaving the house this morning, my wife Mary said, what what are you leaving so early for? And he said, I have a breakfast uh, meeting this morning. And she said, oh, with with who? And he said, Sue, we're going to talk about her PhD programs, what she has planned for that. And Mary said, oh, that'll be really interesting. What do you think she's going to, where do you think she's going to go? What do you think she has planned? And Doug said, as he was telling me, he said, I turned to Mary and I said, I think she's going to tell me that she's resigning and going to seminary. When Doug told me that, the tears started to come down my cheek. There was absolutely no way that Doug would have heard that from any human being. But for some reason, God had also been preparing Doug for my decision to go to seminary. He said, if you would have told me anything other than that, I would have been surprised. Mary's time with Elizabeth, her response to Elizabeth's words, blessed are you among women. These were the words that allowed Mary to sing the words of Magnificat that follow. 
words which I don't think Mary could have sung on her own without the affirmation and the reassurance of Elizabeth's miracle as well. And I think all of us are like Mary. All of us are capable of carrying the Christ child within us because God wants and calls each of us to gladly welcome Christ into our souls and into our inner beings. But while we know that such a call is a huge responsibility, the responsibility to be the bearer of Christ is difficult, can be hard work, can be scary, can be lonely. And so all of us can so quickly and easily say, or at least feel like sometimes saying, Christ wouldn't want to live within me. I'm too old, or I'm too young, or I'm too full of sin. Surely that's, this is not a good place for Christ to live. But instead we follow Mary's lead. And we should take time to nurture the Christ. After all, God gave Mary nine months to nurture this change in her life, to live with the idea before it was to be. Some of us may need to find our own Elizabeth along our journey, to cheer us on and to proclaim to us how she sees the Christ within us. Because Jesus is there growing within us, even at the times we don't feel it. In the coming days, may we, like Mary, nurture the Christ within us and remember the words that Gabriel said to Mary in verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. That's right, nothing will be impossible with God. And so, like Mary, we take a deep breath and take a stunning leap of faith and say, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary says yes to what God wants to do in her life to the invitation that extends to all of us to be a Christ-bearer. And the decision reveals that Mary is willing to put her complete trust in God. Mary calls herself the servant of the Lord, and in so doing becomes a model for the rest of us. We are waiting in the darkness for something to be born. Have you noticed how short the days are? How early the nighttime comes? This is Advent stillness. Advent waiting. Advent darkness. But something is being formed in the darkness. The dark womb of the night. We are waiting the birth of Christ in Bethlehem and the birth of Christ within us. Something is stirring. Something is forming. What form 
will the birth of Christ take within you? Amen.